What up, brawlers? Welcome back to Throne Hands. I'm Jacob Janoski. I'm with Daniel Woods. Daniel, how are we doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. All right. That's what we like to hear. All right. So we're going to start off with something uh, we, we just discussed a little bit before the show. But we're going to st- discuss more in depth right now. John Jones just tweeted this. I'll read it word for word. Who would you guys consider the quicker and more technical striker, Tiago Santos or Francis? As in Francis Ngannou. If you guys think I wouldn't take this fight, you're insane. I have absolutely nothing else to prove as a light heavyweight. I love that big money fight right about now. Send the deal. What do you have to make of this, Daniel? Well, uh, it sounds like John Jones wants Francis Ngannou, mostly because it's obviously a big money fight. And now I'm actually just scrolling through Twitter as we're getting started. And Francis Ngannou about an hour ago responded to that. And I can read it here. Uh, He said, uh, if you think you can handle my technique level, that's fine but I agree with you that you don't have anything to prove in the light heavyweight division and that this should be for bags and then a bunch of money bag emojis. So, I mean, the two fighters want the fight. It's just a matter of going to make it. I mean, it's not like Ngannou got hurt in that Rosenstrike fight. No. (laughs) So he could probably fight next month in all honesty, if they want to do a one month camp. See, I think he would, I think Jones would cause a lot of problems for Ngannou. See, he doesn't have to cut weight and that drains you when you cut weight in itself. And he probably walks around at 230, 240. So he's not going to be a challenge. Easily. Like a, He's not going to be light. And with his wrestling, he had a problem with Stipe Miocic in part because of the wrestling ability. So I don't know. How would you think that fight would turn out? It, it, it'd definitely be interesting, especially because Ngannou obviously is the type of guy that can put you down with one shot. And actually, it, it's not a UFC or an MMA comparison, but it would almost – seemed to me to be almost similar to something we talked about a couple months ago, and I believe the first episode of this podcast, which would be Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, where you've got a more technically talented, uh, more well-versed fighter uh, taking on somebody that really has one standout skill, but it's the type of standout skill that can end the fight in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what uh, Ngannou definitely has, that knockout power. Not saying that Jones doesn't have it, but he's just more technical all around. So, do you think we'll see this fight? I think Dana White, we, we've seen through the years, is nothing if not a businessman who's trying to make as much profit as possible. Both fighters are open to the possibility of this happening. Sounds like it would be uh, at, a, at a heavyweight uh, uh, weight class, uh, so it shouldn't be an issue for Ngannou. I see no reason why this, why this fight won't happen. Yeah, I hope I hope it happens before the end of the summer or sometime in the near future because I'd love to see that fight. All right, so we're going to uh, preview review last night's fight, uh, fight night, uh, Smith versus Teixeira. So, we ha- so I, we're just reviewing the Komei in the main event. So we have Rothwell versus St. Pru. St. Pru moved up to heavyweight as he has, I, I believe, for a fight before this. But I, I know you didn't really watch the fights, but what you have to make from this? Um, I think it just goes to show that even 50 fights into his professional career, Ben Rothwell can still 
brawl with anybody. I mean, him and St. Pru are two of the more experienced guys on the roster at this point, especially in the heavyweight division. And they gave us a pretty good fight, split decision, uh, 29-28, uh, two judges going towards Rothwell, the other one going towards uh, St. Pru. It's the kind of thing where it could have gone either way, but Rothwell just had control uh, throughout the fight just barely enough to win that one. Yeah, he he. when I watched the fight, he, he really had control of the center of the octagon for 90% of the fight. And St. Pru really turned it on toward the end of the fight um, in the latter halves of the second and third round. So I understand the split decision. But I know. I remember at the end of the fight, so we're going to move on to what was next. what's next for these fighters. Rothwell called out Alexi Olenek, and that's what I was thinking with this matchup. I don't know. What would you think of that matchup? I think that'd be a pretty good fight. Those are two guys that are, are kind of similar uh, in in body type and style. And I think where they're neither one are particularly towards the top of the division, uh, but they could both both use a pretty good fight. We saw uh, Olenek at 249 uh, dealing with Fabricio Verdum, but I think a rothwell Olenek fight would be something interesting, maybe as, as a prelim on a bigger card or, or something on a – on a fight night as well. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree. Did you see uh, Olenek moved up two spots in the rankings after that? Really? Yep. And then um, check the rankings. Verdum went up to 15th as he was unranked beforehand. I mean, even though he lost, that makes sense. Yeah. He's a, that was a good fight. Yeah, it was a good fight. I, I was surprised with Olenek's uh, hands at the beginning of the fight. I was like, Absolutely. I, th- I was expecting that 10-finger choke that he usually does. <laughs> um, what did you think of the – what do you think's next for St. Prue? Do you see him going back down? I think so. He He's bounced back and forth a couple times, and he's generally gone back down to light heavy uh, just about any time we've seen it. He's the kind of guy, he's now 38 professional fights. I don't know what he's got left in the tank. He's not ranked. Uh, so I don't really know where he goes from here. It's It's kind of the thing where he's getting to a point to where if something doesn't turn around, he may end up off the roster before long. Yeah, I think he really needs to find a way back up, try to win a fight here and there. Yeah, you could see him off the roster if he loses another fight or two. So we're going to move on to the main event of last night, Smith versus Teixeira. What do you have to make of this fight? I mean, Glover Teixeira pretty much dominated throughout this one. He showed uh, that he's still got it, really, uh, in that light heavyweight division. Obviously, neither one of these guys are, are really – uh, up towards the top, top of the division. I mean, Smith, I, I believe at number four, uh, and Teixeira down at eight. So uh, for for him to win a fight like that, they may, that may push him towards the top five, if we really look at it. And with that John Jones news, the, the light heavyweight division is kind of in flux at the moment, and there's not really a standout number one contender to Jones if he does fight again at light heavyweight. So it's very interesting that there's definitely going to be some shuffling in the rankings after this. Yeah. And I don't know. I thought it was really interesting how Smith's corner didn't stop the fight after the fourth round. I mean, he was hurt. There's no, there's no question in my mind. And Smith really gassed himself out in the first round and a half. He won the first round and a half and his corner. I think part of it was there's no crowd and Smith could hear everything his corner was saying. And that really pushed him more to do what his corner was right. saying. Yes, you should do what your corner saying. But when you tell his corner was telling him attack, 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 he gassed himself out in one and a half, two rounds. And that's when Glover Teixeira really came on toward the end and just beat him to shreds. He even knocked his uh, 
veneers out, his fake teeth. Yeah. So that <laughs> when Smith said, my teeth are knocked out, I'm like, they need to stop this fight. But apparently they're fake. Right. So, so what's yeah, next? I mean, yeah, keep going. I was just going to say, looking at the stats, Teixeira outstruck him 202 to 87. And those those 87 strikes, I'm sure most of them came pretty early in that fight, uh, if you're looking at the official cards. Yeah, and another thing was Teixeira won the third and the fourth rounds 10 to 8. After yeah. that, you should really just stop the fight because no one lasts another 10 to 8 round because that's what the round was going to be if – it had gone the distance, but the ref stepped stepped in and stopped the fight. So, what do you think's next for Smith? That, that's that's really interesting because uh, he was, or going into this fight, he was the fourth ranked light heavyweight. Uh, he was actually just pushed out of the third spot by Jan Blockowitz not that long ago. So, as one of the older fighters in that division, but clearly has shown he's got something left in the tank. Do you, I don't know if you see him. Uh, matched up with somebody like Gustafsson, uh, Ozdemir, who are in the six and seven spots, uh, so he can kind of, you know, establish himself as still a, a top five light heavyweight in that division. But I don't really know where to go with this. Yeah, I don't really know what his next step is. I don't see him moving back up to heavyweight. I think that would be more detrimental to him because that that heavyweight division is getting pretty stacked. And with Smith. You know, if he had won this fight, he could have competed for a, the belt again. He, he could have competed for yeah. the belt. So, I don't know. It's really He's in a really interesting position with his career and where he wants to take it. What do you think is next for Glover? I think he definitely takes a jump in the rankings here. He's kind of uh, reestablishing himself uh, towards the top of that division. Uh, maybe maybe somebody like Blockowitz that – that is pushing towards the top of that division has been on the rise a little bit. Could be kind of a final test uh, before he he gets a look for a title fight in the future. As again, John Jones has beat just about everybody at the top of this division. I think I think Teixeira is in a really good position winning that fight last night uh, because obviously this division is dominated by John Jones, but we never know what John Jones is going to do next. Yeah, that's true. And Smith, he showed that old dogs can still learn new tricks and get up there and fight. I was I was very surprised by his performance. I thought Smith had this in the bag. And we got to remember, Smith took a fight on short notice with that home invader. So, you know, he's he was a little beat up from that. Right. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? He said that was the toughest fight of his life. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's, so the guy who broke into his house, he was a really decorated high school wrestler. Huh. And he said he took every knee, every elbow that I threw at him like a man, and he was not affected Dang. by it. <laughs> and he was only 160 pounds, he said. So he's like, he was strong. He I'm could sure. fight. That's, <laughs> that's insane. All right, so we're going to move on to some of the, the, the bouts in the card, uh, Overeem versus Harris, fight night. We're going to start with uh, Dan. How do, you, how do you pronounce the guy's name? Dan Ege? I, I am I am not entirely sure. I th- I Allow me to look it up first. Yeah, look it up. Um, and then, so Ige, Ige, whatever his name is. Uh, hope you do well. Um, Wikipedia his, does not have a pronunciation. So. All right, so we'll just go Ige. I think I heard something like that. I know it's not Ige. Okay. Anyway, so it's Ige versus Edson Barbosa. So what do you got for uh, Ige's style? What do you, how, how is match, how this match up against Barbosa? He's a pretty versatile guy. For the most part, he can do it one way or another. 
Uh, he's got five submission finishes, so I'd probably look for him to do that against somebody like Barboza. It's such a strong striker, especially since he's going to be at a pretty significant reach disadvantage. Uh, but he's finished guys in a lot of different ways, and I think that probably plays well for him trying to push up towards the top of that division, crack the rankings at some point. Uh, and his his ability to, to work on the ground, I think, will will probably be his biggest advantage against Barboza. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. And, you know, his black his black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and his brown belt in Judo will really uh, push push forth his uh, ground game. And so this is a nice transition to Barbosa's style, a striker. And one, he's one of the best. He has some of the best kicks in MMA, if, oh, not, absolutely. if not the best. He has, he has one, he's one of two people to finish people by leg kicks. So I don't – he's – he knows what he can do. So what do you think the keys are for Ige? Uh, for Ige, I think, <coughs> excuse me, as I said <clears throat> a couple seconds ago, he's got to take it to the ground. <clears throat> you said he's, he's so well-versed in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo. He's working at a, at a pretty serious size disadvantage in terms of reach and height. Uh, so if he can get Barboza down to the ground, uh, work, him, work him there, he, he'll put himself in a pretty good def- – uh, She's a pretty good position to win this one. Yeah, he's really got to work. He's got to uh, defend against the kicks because Barbosa's kicks are deadly. If he doesn't do that, he's he's toast. I don't I don't see him winning the fight if he doesn't do that. And so I see the keys for Barbosa are don't get to the ground and keep your distance with the kicks and use your reach. Wouldn't you say? I would agree with that. Uh, Barbosa is in a position. Uh, where he's coming off back-to-back losses and has lost four of his last five. So if, if he can get a, get a finish here uh, by knockout or TKO, it'll definitely be a momentum thing for him going forward. Uh, but he's one of the best strikers we've seen in the UFC, at least in the lightweight division, maybe overall. He's tied for the most KOs in lightweight history in the, in the UFC, and he's brought home nine fight bonuses. So he's the type of guy that his striking is so precise and so powerful. He can put you down in any second. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. So what are your, what are your predictions for this fight? It seems like, I mean, at 13 and two uh, with the way that he's competed since coming to the UFC, Ige is the type of guy that could probably try to push uh, in this, uh, in this lightweight division. Uh, He's obviously very talented and he's only 28. Uh, Barboza, like I said, is, has been in a pretty rough spell as of late in terms of win and loss record. So I'll take Ige in this one. I think he can get Barboza to the ground, probably finish this one with submission if I had to guess. Yeah, I definitely have to agree. And he has a lot of momentum riding into this fight. He's won four or five in a row or something like that. Five. Yeah. And he's, I think he competed for an interim title or a title a few years ago. Something like check that. Out. Yeah. Check yeah. that out. I'm, I'm not sure. I heard something last night on the, I'm like, oh, I looked it up. I'm pretty sure that's it. But I figure Ige will definitely submit Barbosa. He's just too well-versed on the ground and with uh, wrestling martial arts to not win this fight, I think. So I definitely have Dan Ige with with the win in this one. Yeah, that That is a pronunciation. I, I double-checked that. Oh, it's Ige? Ige, yeah. All right, cool. All right. Did you find whether he competed for a title? It doesn't look like he has, uh, as far as I know. He did pull out a performance of the night against Danny Henry last March. Dang, who who was that? I'm trying to think. 
Oh, I have, I've done. Um, uh, if we're gonna get into the women's fight, I know Claudia Gadela did. Yes, I think I think you're right about that. So she I guess fought, she, she fought Jadrashik for the uh, strawweight title a couple of years ago. Yes, she did. All right, we're gonna move right into that great transition. So, Gade- Claudia Gadela versus uh, An- Angela Hill. Uh, so, what's uh, what do you got on Gadela's fighting style? I mean, she's an elite. She's elite on the ground. Uh, she trained with Jose Aldo in terms of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She's a three-time uh, BJJ world champion. And I think that's that's obviously going to be her calling card. She got a lot of hype coming to the UFC. It's kind of been up and down since she's got there. She's kind of struggled to finish opponents. Uh, most of her fights going to decision, and all four of her losses have come since she came to the UFC. Uh, but she's still a really talented fighter and somebody that has a chance to move up towards the top of that division later this year. Yeah, with yeah, Gadela should has her Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and she's very good with submissions. So I think Hill should definitely look out for that. And what do you have for Hill's style? Uh, I mean, she she's gonna try to keep this on her feet. Um, she she's not a super elite in terms of talent at anything. She's a pretty good striker. She is coming off of three straight wins, so I think that's gonna be uh, a good momentum boost coming in because Gadela has really been as I said, kind of up and down since she's come to the UFC. Uh, but uh, Hill has momentum coming into this one. She's probably the better fighter on her feet. And something to look at, this is her third fight of 2020 already. So Angela Hill is definitely going to be the fresher fighter probably uh, in terms in terms of ring rust. So I think that's probably going to work to her advantage to an extent. Yeah, and – her Muay Thai and kickboxing will really work to her advantage in order to keep the distance so she won't get taken to the ground by Gadela. So where are uh, Gadela's keys to victory? I think she's got to get her to the ground, um, probably try to finish this one by submission, maybe take it to a decision. She's actually, despite being such an outstanding uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter, I believe she has not actually had a submission win. I think all of – I don't think she's finished anybody – in the UFC, if I, if I remember correctly, if I can just double-check that. Uh, yeah, but just, she's got to get him to the ground. Uh, that's that's the best way for her to win this fight against Angela Hill because, as you said, that Muay Thai, Muay Thai and kickboxing uh, does so well to, to keep uh, people away. It's been almost three years since she's won a fight by uh, a finish. She uh, won by submission against Carolina Kowalczyk at UFC 212. So... She's got to get some momentum going here and probably try to win this one by submission. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with you there. And, if yeah, she definitely has to take this to the ground against Hill. So she cannot use her more tire kickboxing. So uh, transitioning to Hill's keys, she has to avoid the ground. She cannot be taken right. to the ground because her ground game is not the best. She's been submitted a fair amount of times. And definitely keep it on the feet, wouldn't you say? I would have to think so. That's the only way that... I think she wins this fight because once it gets to the ground, Gadela is so elite in that category. Uh, but Hill does have a chance. Uh, she's obviously, as we've said, pretty good on her feet. That's that's the where that's where she's going to thrive in this fight. And she's ranked in the strawweight division for a reason. Uh, but she's got to avoid the ground. She's been submitted twice in her career. If this one goes to decision, I might give her a chance uh, to to carry the fight towards the end. Uh, but she's going to have to win uh, either by decision or knockout because she's not going to do anything on the ground against Gadela. 
Yeah, but you took the words right out of my mouth. So what are your predictions? I think it goes to Claudia Gadela here. Um, she's just, again, such such an elite uh, jiu-jitsu competitor. Uh, she is coming off a win in her last fight, which is really good for her. She's really struggled to string wins together. As this, She really is somebody that the UFC pushed hard to the top of those rankings at strawweight when she came in. Uh, she's actually a coach on the Ultimate Fighter, I believe, within a year of coming to the UFC. So she needs to get back on track, and she's somebody that with a couple wins in a row uh, could push towards the top of that division to be contending for a title shot. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to uh, take the the other road. I'm going to go with Hill winning this fight because okay. she she's riding that momentum, three straight wins, and I feel like she she can compete for a title if she gets for gets another win here or an, another win or two. So I feel like her that uh, will motivate her to get this fight, and I think she will definitely keep the distance with her uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing. So give me Hill uh, via knockout in the third round. So okay. To the main event of the evening, we got Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. So, these two guys are very similar in style. Um, what do you have for Overeem style? I mean, he, he's a legend of the sport at this point. One of the best heavyweights worldwide I think we've ever seen. But he's not, unless you count somebody like Alexi Olenek, he's not had a substantial win in almost three years. He's coming off a loss to Yarzino Rosenstreich, and he's he's probably going to have to finish this one by knockout. Uh, he he used to be a pretty good submission fighter, uh, but he's not submitted anybody for a win in eleven years, uh, and he's not a guy that's going to try try to take a fight to a decision. He's won forty of his forty five wins have been by finish. He's at a point in his career where he's just going to try to stand on his feet and knock you out. That's probably the best way to go for Overeem. Yeah, definitely. He has to use his kickboxing and Muay Thai to his advantage that he knows. And he does He does have a good guillotine chuck, but as you said, it hasn't been really used in 11 years. So he, I, I say we can throw that out the window. So Walt Harris, he's basically a pure boxer, wouldn't you say? I would say so. He's never finished anybody by anything but a knockout. So. All third, like I said, all thirteen of his wins have come uh, by KO. Eleven of the thirteen were in the first round, so he's definitely somebody that's just going to try to put you out with punches, and that's been fairly successful here for him, especially lately. He's won three of his last four fights, and that fourth one was a split decision win that ended up being overturned by a drug test. So he's on a hot streak, and I think just about anybody that knows the UFC. Uh, can agree anybody with power in their hands that's on a hot streak is really dangerous. Yeah, especially Walt Harris. So we're getting over to the keys to victory. I basically love these two in the same because they're both fairly similar fighters. Just avoid the knockout and try to knock the other guy out. I don't think there's really much. And for Overeem, got to use your kickboxing and keep distance from Walt Harris, wouldn't you say? I would have to say the same. Uh, Harris is, is really dangerous when he can start throwing bombs and these are two guys that I think this is going to be a really good fight because they're both going to try to knock each other out. They're both going to try to knock, e knock each other out early because neither one of them are great stamina fighters. I think this one ends maybe in the first round, uh, and it's, it's going to be pretty spectacular, I think, when it does. Yeah, I would, I would have to say so. And, yeah, I, I see this fight ending in the first round. Nobody wants to see 
two tire, tired heavyweights duking it out in the third round because that's just a slow slugfest. I expect this one to end quick. What are your predictions? I'll take Walt Harris here. I'll take Walt Harris by KO in the first round. I'll get even more specific with it. Uh, he He's obviously been in, impassioned by – uh, some of re- the really awful events that, that have occurred over the last few months for him. Uh, the E60 uh, presentation about the relationship between him and his stepdaughter is, is seriously some tear-jerking stuff. Uh, but he, he's fighting with a passion right now. He's in his last four fights has looked the best he has his entire career. And I think he's in a position uh, to knock Alistair Overeem out here and really take some momentum forward into 2020. Yeah, I I have to agree with this one. I I say Harris knockout in the first round. Um, Overeem's just getting too old, and I think it won't take too much to knock him out. I guess so. All right, any final thoughts before we leave? Um, not really. Uh, just one thing uh, that I want to point out uh, on the undercard. Well, the yeah, on the undercard, uh, Yanong Song versus Marlon Mara or Vera uh, in a bantamweight fight. Uh, I think. I just want to point out, Yadong is somebody that I think they're going to try to push in this division. He's only 22 and is already 15-4-1 in his career and has won seven straight uh, before he had a fight come down to a draw due to an illegal knee in his last fight. So that that's one to watch out, especially in bantamweight with uh, Henry Cejudo saying he's going to retire. Uh, Yadong's a really young guy towards the bottom of those rankings that could could really skyrocket up them uh, with some impressive performances. I'm looking forward to, to seeing him on Saturday. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to that fight too. All right. So that'll do it for us for this uh, review and preview of uh, May 13th fight night and preview of May 16th fight night. Daniel, thank you for coming back on. It's thank always you. a pleasure. All right. I will, we will see you guys quite soon for the May 16th fight night review.